sometimes feel a bit puzzling. Maybe it's that confusing car insurance policy. Or working out the right protection for your health, home and family. Or feeling unsure if your pension is on the right path. Aviva can help make these conundrums click. Helping solve your financial puzzles? It takes Aviva. Is what you're doing still doing it for you? I am EY. For a purpose that inspires me. And a culture that accepts. For a team that relies on me and makes me better for knowing I'm always respected for being absolutely me. For my work to have meaning, ideas becoming actions and my direction my own. For leaders that challenge, guide and support, empowering me to be all I can and bring everything I am. My skills accelerated, my voice amplified. For always feeling heard and saying without hesitation, I love what I do. That's why. EY. Mom, I got the job! She got the job! Who got the job? Granny! She got the job! She got the job! She got the job! Find your I got the job job on Total Jobs. Hello, I'm Andrew Reid and I am the Financial Communications and Media Relations Director at Aviva. Aviva employs around 16,000 people in the UK and you might not know but if you've got a laptop or you've got a bike or you're saving for the future, Aviva can do it all. It can protect everything you've got. And we make an impact on young people in lots of different ways. We invest in the economy. Only a couple of weeks ago, we backed a really exciting new arts venue in Manchester, going to be called the Aviva Studios. Every year we take on graduates and interns, hundreds join Aviva. So Aviva is really part of the fabric of this country with the biggest insurer. This is my duvet flip, where you're going to learn a little bit about my career journey, my industry, and the importance of newspaper shops in Manchester throughout my conversation with young Jack. Andrew, what a fantastic introduction. How are we? I'm great, and thanks very much for having me on, Jack. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, thank you for joining me. I know you've got such a busy schedule, so trying to get you here uh, was, uh, was really cool today to get you here and talk about your career. But I want to start, before we go into those, I'm really interested about those newspapers in Manchester, but before we get into that, in 60 seconds, I'd love you to kind of give us a whistle-stop tour of your career. Yeah, so I was born and bred in Manchester, and that's quite an important part of who I am. Uh, I went to school in Manchester, then I went to university in the, in the south of England. Um, I have spent the last 27 years working in media relations and corporate communications. So that's helping companies explain what they do, convince people to buy their shares, 
um, talking to the media to try and uh, convince people that the organisations that I support are reputable, good organisations doing good in our society. So that's a bit about what I've done. Um, I am married to Jenny and we've been married for coming up to 16 years uh, and I've got two, two young daughters. I support Manchester City Football Club, um, hence my Manchester heritage uh, and I love playing tennis and swimming and drinking a glass of wine. Wow, wow, what a fantastic 60 seconds that was. And I, it's, it's funny because people from Manchester are so kind. And I can see that today. Like, you can meet a lot of people, and when you go and meet someone and they're kind, they're normally from Manchester. So <laughs> I'm glad I've got someone from Manchester sitting on the uh, chair today talking about all, all things youth and media. So, I want to start here around your first job. Yeah. Like, what was your first job? Yeah. Where did you start? How did you get that job? And what did that job teach you that you wish you knew before you started that you want to pass on to young people? Yeah. So my mum and dad ran a newspaper shop and post office in the village that we lived in, in Manchester. And that shop was on a little corner at the top of a lane, and it was the heart of the local community. And I used to work there at weekends and after school. And working in the newspaper shop, dealing with the public every day, taught me three things about life. Um, the first thing it taught me is to treat everybody you meet with dignity and respect. A lot of the people who came into the shop that I was serving were old and they were vulnerable. And it might be the only thing that they actually did in the day was to kind of go to the post office, collect the pension, which is what you used to do in those days, and buy a paper. And so the conversation that I had was really important. And so I reflect on it now and I think I wasn't just selling someone a newspaper. It wasn't just a transaction. It was actually a conversation. And so to treat people with politeness, no matter who they are or what they're from, was one of the things I learned from being in that newspaper shop. The second thing I learned was about humour and how having a laugh every day really helps the day go. And I really enjoy a day if I know that I've had a laugh because those... That humour helps to build relationships and makes relationships click. So I think humour is really, really important. And the third thing that it taught me being in that shop is my love of news, because we used to sell newspapers. Um, and my, I can always, one of my earliest memories of my dad was him sitting down, reading a newspaper, and since a very early age, I've always been fascinated by what's going on in the world around me. And that was the start, really, of the journey that I've been on in my, my professional career. Wow. And for, for a young person, how do they become a conversation starter? What is your tips? Because those elderly people, or people in the local area coming into, your, coming into the post office and coming into the news store... How did you start the conversation and how should young people start conversations in the workplace, whether they're applying for a job, whether yeah. they're at a club? Yeah. What, is, what is your tips to starting a conversation? Yeah. How, should it, how, how should it roll, as they say? Yeah, and I th what I would say is there's no right or wrong. Um, don't worry about saying the wrong thing. Um, just make that first start and it can be anything. It can be, gosh, it's horrible this weather. Where did you go on your last holiday? You know, what's happening with the local school? 
anything that connects you with the person around you. It's amazing. I believe that it doesn't matter who you are and who you're meeting, you can make some kind of connection. Where I was growing up, a lot of it was around football. And there was always a great chat around football, and that's always a great connector. But I was inspired by my mum and dad. You know, my mum was a fantastic role model. She, would, she, was, the, she, was, a, a, she was a pioneering woman. Uh, she left school at 14. She's running a successful business. And she would go out of her way to help people, even when there was no reward expected. She would be the one that would deliver the pension to the individual's door because they, you know, they hadn't turned up. Or she would be the one who would deliver the newspaper because the newspaper, boy or girl, hadn't turned up. So they role modeled to me. They showed me the way in terms of how to connect with people. And you know, the most important thing that they showed me was kindness. And kindness has been a very, very important theme in my life. So what, what is kindness? What does kindness mean to you? Because I totally agree, Andrew, kindness is so important. No matter who you speak to, where you go, just show people respect and kindness, like you said at the start. But what does kindness mean to you? And what are some of the things that young people can do to show kindness? Yep. So it's those little unexpected things that um, people show to you every day. There might be a kind word in your ear saying, I really hope you do well today. A couple of my colleagues back in the office knew I was coming on today. And you know what? They dropped me a little message. They said, you'll be great, Andrew, today. That was unexpected kindness. It was them thinking about me and putting their arms around me metaphorically to give me a little bit of support. It might be queuing up in the coffee shop and just buying a coffee for somebody when they weren't expecting it. Just showing a little bit of thought and consideration to somebody else really helps. And, you know, I've got a few reflections on that. I think that when I think about kindness... I think that it's the, it's the most underrated, most powerful and least costly force for change. Because you know what? If you're kind to somebody, it helps build relationships, healthy relationships. And if you've got a connection with someone, it really nourishes those connections. And you know, the other thing about kindness that's really funny is that it radiates. So that if you experience kindness, you're more inclined to be kind back and you're more inclined to be kind to others. You know, when I got those messages today saying, I hope you do well on the show with Jack today, it made me want to be kind back. So that's the great thing about kindness. It's a bit infectious, and I think it's really powerful. And, I, and do you think when someone's been unkind, I'm a, I'm a big believer, uh, when, someone go, when someone go low, go high, uh, to actually, you can start, the conversation might start unkind, but it's mm. in your responsibility to turn it kind, right? It is. And, and you know what? The human nature is so much to kind of retaliate, isn't it? You know, if someone has been a bit aggressive with you or a bit unkind, the temptation is to be unkind back. And it's really hard to turn the other cheek. But if you can turn the other cheek, you help build the relationship up again. Because if you're kind back, people might have second thoughts about being unkind again. So I've always seen that, you know, unkindness can kind of go into a nasty spiral. Kindness has the opposite positive effect. And if a young person is in the workplace in an interview and they come across unkindness, what should they do? I think they should call it out. I think that we are now thankfully living at a time where if people are unkind, that is increasingly unacceptable in the workplace. 
Um, that can be difficult to do. It requires bravery, particularly in an interview situation, because there's an imbalance, right? You know, you've got somebody wanting a job and you've got another person who's giving the job. So that can be a difficult situation. But I think that um, speaking out when you see unkindness, wherever it is, really helps people to think. Sometimes people don't know they're being unkind. And so we have a duty to individuals to kind of say, you might not have meant this, but when you said that, this is how it made me feel. And if you express it in that way, if you talk about, this is how it made me feel, no one can argue against that. You might not have meant it, but this is how it made me feel. And that's really important. Absolutely. I, I, just reflecting on what you said, I get a few nasty comments on LinkedIn now and then because life is life. And when I go back with my point of view and I always say, thank you for your comment, thank you for your time. And I always sign it off sending this message with kindness and grace. And I mean, nine out of 10 time, they then go kind. So it works, doesn't it? There you go, that's a great example. And, and that can work in terms of you get rejected from a job. So if you're going for a job, you go for an interview, they come and say, unfortunately, you've not been successful, write back kindly to say, thank you for giving me the opportunity and letting me know. Exactly, and what I do in my job is, I'm often having debates with people about the way forward on topics. I'll, I'll be talking to journalists and I'll be saying, well, this is what Aviva thinks and this is how we see it and this is, you know, this is an alternative view. And even when somebody disagrees with you, I think it's really important to treat that person with total courtesy and respect. You know, never to shout, never to be aggressive, uh, to understand where they're coming from. And I believe that's a much more effective way to kind of reconcile two points of view. Um, my wife works in mediation and she talks about the power of disagreeing well. Because with such diversity of views, um, we're always going to have differences. But the ability for individuals to kind of reconcile those and see things from someone else's perspective, I think is a really powerful way of, 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 of disagreeing well, but understanding where each other's coming from and hopefully reaching, reaching some conclusions. You said you also said in your conversation, don't worry about saying the wrong thing. As a communications and media expert, what about if someone does say the wrong thing? What can they do to kind of solve it and sort it out? Yeah, well, I mean, I often say the wrong thing. Um, not, thankfully, often on, uh, in the live video recording, but um, it's to admit it, you know, as quickly as possible and say, I got that wrong. No one gets everything right all of the time. And so to show humility and to kind of say, yeah, I actually got that wrong right then. And actually I've reflected on it. And this is actually what, what I think. I think that um, that level of self-awareness and builds that relationship. You know, it shows to someone that you're not trying to be something that you're not. You accept it when you get it wrong and you're prepared to say so. Um, so reflect on it. If you think you've got it wrong, say so, and then go forward from that. And does that standing up proud and saying, you know what, I'm out of my depth, I don't have a clue, I have a bit of anxiety, I got that wrong, does that come with time? Or how does that, or, or was it your mum who was such a, I call them not role models, but real models, a mm. real model to you? Was it your mum that taught you that? Or is it something that's taught? Is it something that's natural? Where does that come from 
I think I got a bit of self-confidence from my mum and dad because they real modelled you know, modeled it with, with, with me. But I think throughout my life, I've seen that when I have got things wrong and I've been open about it, people have responded positively to that. So I've learned that, I think. My, that's my, been my learnt experience professionally. And I've respected people who've responded positively to that. So um, uh, look, look at how others do it. Um, and, you know, as I say, I'm often talking to, to, to journalists and I might, I might get it wrong, um, but if you accept that you've got it wrong, it usually helps to kind of take the relationship forward. And what is your three pieces of communication uh, advice to young people entering the workplace as the kind of media expert for a fever? And uh, what, would you, what would your advice be to those young people? Um, I would say don't try and be something that you're not. Everybody is uniquely and beautifully made. You are brilliant who you are. Try and be the best expression of yourself, not try to be something that you're not, that you think others might want you to be, because I think that can create anxiety. So be kind of true to yourself, I think is really important in whatever social situation you're in. It's hard, but I think that's really important to being... Um, to in well-being and to being to being happy. Be you, because everyone else be is taken. Be you, be you. If everyone else is taken, that's yeah, exactly. Um, secondly, think before you have those first interviews. You know, do, you know, do your do your homework. You know, think about why you. What is it about your unique skills that makes you really, really good for the role that you're that you're going for? Um, and the third thing, and this is particularly my area, is I always love reading what's going on. You know. Uh, the media is a wonderful resource to understand what's going on in any organisation at any time. Because no matter where you're applying for, whatever you're planning to do, there'll be insights and stories that you'll glean from the media that will spark ideas. And actually, an interview is all about having a really good conversation. It's all about making a connection with the person that um, that you're being interviewed by. And when I'm interviewing people, one of the things I'm always looking for is Will I like to work with this individual? You know, is this somebody who I would like to have a conversation with? Yes, they've got to be professionally competent. Yes, they've got to meet the skills that we want. You know, yes, I'm looking for potential. All of those things are really important. But the extra little bit on top, which is also crucial, is will I like to see them? Do I want to be around them? Am I going to be enjoying being part, them being part of the team that I lead? I think that's so smart because I always ask the question, are they a drain or a radiator? And you want to be around radiators, you don't want to be around drains in your everyday work because it's as tough as it is. Exactly, but I would also say that, you know, some people are extroverts and some people are introverts. And I don't want to change someone's personality. You know, I think everyone is uniquely and beautifully made. I want them to be the best expression of themselves. And that may, you know, some people are comfortable talking and standing at the front, other people less so. That's fine. We need both in a team and in a company for the company to succeed. Absolutely. We've not even left the post office and we've been going for 16 minutes. So what happened, what happened next? So you, you got this job at the post office with, uh, with mum and dad. What, what ended your career? Well, I think one of the things I reflect on my career, so I've been working now for 27 years kind of post-university and I've only ever had three jobs. And I, I sometimes wonder, I think, why have I only ever had three jobs in 27 years? 
And I think what I reflect on is that my experience has been, if you're happy where you are, if you feel motivated and empowered to do the job that you're doing, and if you really like the people that you're working with, then I've never felt the need to change jobs. Now, it's different for different people, and some people, it's really important that they change jobs and they switch, and they, they need to do it for a lot of personal reasons. So I'm not suggesting this is right for everybody, but I think I've been really blessed in my 27 years working in media relations that I've only had three roles, and that's allowed me to really get embedded in organisations, really understand them, understand why they tick, and I think that makes me better at my job. Uh, talking to the outside world about Aviva, I've worked at Aviva for 14 years, you know, I've got a good understanding now, I think, about insurance and how Aviva works, and that helps me be a better advocate for, for, for Aviva. And the other thing is, is that I've been blessed with great leaders, and that's another important feature of, of, of my life, is that I've worked with two or three individuals who have been full of integrity and professionalism, who I respect. And I think if you find individuals like that, cling on to them because they're wonderful people to be with and work with and learn from. Um, um, one of my reflections on my career is that it, it's not just what you do that's important, it's how you do it. It's how you show up. It's how you conduct yourself on a daily basis when you have challenges and problems how do you relate to people and how do you show that kindness? And I think how you live your life and how you work is just as important as actually what you accomplish. And how do you spot a good leader? What are the, what are the things that young people should be looking for when they go into a new job or they're in a job? What, what, what makes someone, in your opinion, a good leader? You said you've had two or three good leaders yeah. in, your, in your career. What do you look for as a good leader and what should young people look for? Someone who excites you. Someone who wants you to flip the duvet in the morning, you know, get out of bed. Someone who you can kind of like share their vision. You can see that they're trying to do something new and interesting in their line of work that you really want to be alongside. Someone you can learn from and somebody who understands that your life is not just work. And they've got that sense of empathy. You know, they've got that bigger understanding of who you are, what's going on in your life. And they're really supportive and understanding of that. And how do you say no when a when a leader has got this vision or this they want to do something and it, you you believe it's not the right approach in terms of in the media or yeah how do you how do you construct that conversation yeah well saying no can be really tricky can't it because you don't want to upset someone and uh, you know i've been doing my job now for a long time and i still have this fear of saying no to the people that i work with when they've asked me to do something um, and saying no is a bit of a, a bit of an art and it rests on a few things. I think the first thing is it rests on a good relationship. So if you built up a good relationship over time, um, it's much more straightforward to kind of say no because in, people know you and know that you've got good intentions and you're not saying no for the sake of it because no one likes a blocker, mm. right? Um, the second thing I always do is I always think about what are we trying to achieve? So focus on what you're trying to achieve not just the way in which you're going to get to what you want to achieve. So if we can say, well, we both agree that we want to achieve this, but my view is that the way we go about it is slightly different to your view. I think we can achieve the same outcome, but just do it a different way. And I think if you can have a conversation about that, it, it makes the no feel less negative 
and more constructive because you're focusing on the outcome, not on the journey to get there. Absolutely. Well, it's been the first 20 minutes already. Uh, doesn't it go quick? It does. Goodness <laughs> 20 me. minutes. Well, 21 minutes, actually, Andrew. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be back in under six minutes with some topped up tea Perfect. and the second half. I look forward so to it. So we'll see everyone in a moment. clever about selling yourself short. Oh my god. I can't tell you how many people, when you dig into their success stories, look how many failures they had mm. first. And what marks them out is their character. And you can control your character. You know, how you respond to loss, how you respond mm. to adversity. And what's the last thing you lost? My job, um, uh, I suppose. You've got to be honest with yourself, what went wrong. You've got to then have a realistic plan to put it right. And, you know, bags of determination and self-belief. And the fear of failure, I think you've got to get over that. How do you not let that get to you? I wouldn't say love the adversity, but respect that the adversity will make you better. I've been privileged to see you at various different junctures and it was very inspiring then, but look how far you've come. It's amazing. <laughs> and if you just relentlessly focused on moving forward, learning the lessons of life, I think it's a recipe for success. And don't let others dictate to you your view of the world, let alone yourself. I said I wanted to be true to my convictions. I wanted to find the right life partner and give my kids the best opportunities I could. Deutsche Bank is the largest bank in the UK that you have never heard of. You know, the environment's very challenging, I think, for young people. Therefore, seek out every opportunity. Don't underestimate how long it's going to take to get up in the morning. <laughs> and I always say, if you're not five minutes early, you're late. I think when anyone is starting a Saturday job and you're a teenager, the biggest thing is getting out of bed. That commitment piece is really important. We know that there are young people for whom actually going to university, spending three, four years, isn't something that they want to do. They want to get out into the world of work immediately. We've got an operations talent programme, lots of different types of ways in which you can actually come into the organisation and understand what's available. So go into a meeting looking for that curious conversation. Absolutely. So I think it's always striking a balance between not sort of interjecting at the wrong times or too frequently, whilst at the same time, if you genuinely have something to say that can add to the conversation and to the discussion, you should absolutely say it. So even though I've been at the bank for 25 years, I feel like I've had five different careers. It's a cliche, but really fake it till you make it. We're looking to grow our businesses. That really is the best advice. Finances can sometimes feel a bit puzzling. Maybe it's that confusing car insurance policy. Or working out the right protection for your health, home and family. Or feeling unsure if your pension is on the right path. Aviva can help make these conundrums click. Helping solve your financial puzzles? It takes a viva.
Is what you're doing still doing it for you? I am EY. For a purpose that inspires me. And a culture that accepts. For a team that relies on me and makes me better for it. Knowing I'm always respected for being absolutely me. For my work to have meaning. Ideas becoming actions and my direction my own. For leaders that challenge, guide and support. Empowering me to be all I can and bring everything I am. My skills accelerated. My voice amplified. For always feeling heard and saying without hesitation. I love what I do. That's why. EY. Mom, I got the job. She got the job. Who got the job? She got the job. She got the job. She got the job. Yeah. Find your I got the job job on Total Jobs. I'm so excited. I can't tell you. You know, I just want to scream and shout. Have you ever had an experience where you've gone into a job and thought, what have I done? I felt sick to the pit of my stomach that I've made a bad mistake. I mean, I was ashamed to get a final written warning. And it is the ability to be able to take those, um, those situations and genuinely learn from them without letting them destroy you. Today's news is tomorrow's chip paper. So if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't look right, it probably isn't right. You know, an awful lot is common sense. And one of the surprising things about common sense is it's not very common. Make your choice, make the choice conscious, and then when you are wherever you are, be present when you're present. Am I learning? Can I have influence? And am I gonna enjoy this? In any situation, there are things you control and there are things you can't control. You've got more control than you realize, but equally, don't fret about the things you can't control, because that is the definition of madness. There's a real lesson there, isn't it? It's find the miracle in every situation. Yeah, yeah. Failure is not fatal. Your ability to bounce back and be resilient, for me, is the thing that has made me who I am. So Andrew, we're back for part two, and you've not left me. I'm <laughs> still here. You're still here, which is yeah. good. That's always a, a good sign. I want to talk a little bit. I'm gonna. I want to jump straight into every newspaper that I read. Digit. I do them digitally. Um, I see this word inflation come up everywhere, and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to educate myself and I believe every young person should be educated on the economy and what does it all mean. What does inflation mean? Yeah. So the first thing I'd say is don't worry that you don't know. Okay. 
Um, Aviva did some research recently. One of those puzzling things that people find is the economy. 75% of people get confused about the economy. It's pretty complicated. So don't worry that you don't know. That's the first thing. Second thing is, if you go down to Tesco today, two pints of milk costs £1.20. Um, last year, that same two pints might have cost only a pound. These are rough numbers. Um, so it was a pound last year, it's £1.20 today. So the rate of inflation for milk is 20%. Inflation is about the increase in the cost of things that we buy. So whether it's a laptop or a bike or a holiday or clothes or food or your rent, all of these things are subject to inflation. And if they go up, if the cost of those things go up, then that is the inflation impact. And how does inflation, so that pint of milk that has gone from a pound to 120, how, how has that happened? Where, what, what triggered inflation? Uh, and I know it can be a number of things, but what triggered inflation? And then who decided that that would be an extra 20p? Yeah. So um, inflation comes from a number of different, different factors. And for an economy to kind of like grow and do well, you need a little bit of inflation. Um, but if you have too much, it can become a problem. And at the moment in the UK, inflation rate is around 8%. And that's a high level of inflation historically. And that's a problem because what it means is that if you earn a pound today, it's worth less. You can buy less than the same pound that you earned last year. So your ability to buy things uh, and live your life becomes a lot harder because of this inflationary impact. And where does it come from? Well, inflation in the UK has come from lots of different, lots of different things. One of them is the war in Ukraine. So what that's done is it's, um, it's impacted supply chains. So that the things that we buy uh, become harder to get and therefore the price of them goes up. So the war in Ukraine has had an impact. Um, the price of salad in North Africa, that feels like a strange thing, right? But a lot of the food that we buy, a lot of the salads that we buy in supermarkets, particularly in the winter, come from North Africa. If they've got a problem growing tomatoes in Morocco, then that can have an impact on the cost of tomatoes in the UK. So these things that can happen, not necessarily in our own country, but they can impact our own country because the goods that are coming in and the things that we're buying cost more to produce or the chain of supply that brings them into the UK is, is impacted. All of those things can, can have a, a, an impact on the cost of inflation. And then inflation can spiral because if that pound that I've got today is worth less than it was last year because I can buy less, then people will say to their employer, to their boss, look, you know, everything's going up. The costs of things are going up. My rent's going up. You know, the cost of going to the shops is going up. Therefore, please can I have a higher salary? And if people ask for higher salaries, which is understandable, that then has a knock-on impact on inflation. And you can see very quickly how inflation can spiral because of those factors that I've just discussed. So how do we get that 8% number down? How does that work? I know the Bank of England and the Chancellor, the Prime Minister and businesses talk about it. So what is the, what is the plan to get yeah. that down? How do we get the tomato and the, the, the milk back down price? 
So the government and the Bank of England, so the Bank of England is responsible for the uh, inflation rate, they have a target of getting it to 2%. So we've got to go from 8% today to 2%, which is the target, which will take a little bit of time. And there's, there's a couple of ways that we can do that, the government can do that. The main way they do it is through the setting of interest rates. And so what interest rates are, they are how much it costs to borrow money. So if you want to borrow 500 quid to buy a bike, two years ago it might have cost you 3% a year or 4% a year. Today it might cost you 7% a year or 8% a year to borrow the 500 pounds. If you're lucky enough to own your own home, we have mortgages. And mortgages are influenced by the mortgage rates. And mortgage rates are now 6%, the highest they've been for, for a long time. Um, they used to be kind of 2%. So the cost of actually living in your home has gone up. As I mentioned about rents, that's gone up. So the, the, um, the interest rates that the Bank of England set are now going up. And they're going up to try and get inflation down. And the way in which that works is that um, if uh, it costs more to borrow money, people might borrow less. And if they borrow less, then that's when you start to see inflation coming down. They might... Um, businesses might invest less because businesses have to borrow money. So if it costs businesses more, then businesses might start investing less. They might start hiring fewer people. And that then starts to help get the overall rate of inflation down. But you can see it's really quite tricky because it's, it's costly to bring inflation down. It hurts people. You know, you can see, you know, you only need to pick up, you know, any paper or, you know, open up any, any website and you can see that the cost of living is going up tackling it is painful because people are having to suffer through higher interest rates and the cost of borrowing now the good news there is some good news for those that are saving and now obviously not many people are able to kind of save lots but if you are able to save then the amount of money that you get through saving and the rate of save the savings rate you get is also going up so you can get a little bit more from the nest egg that you put into one side through higher savings, but if you've got a mortgage or you're having to borrow money, then obviously the costs are going up. And what are important insurances that could help someone through the inflation? Is there any kind of insurance that I, like for when the, obviously we're in a inflation, but when the next one comes to kind of get ahead, like what are the, some of the insurances that would protect me? Yeah. For instance, if I'm buying a new bike, getting my bike insured might be a good idea because I don't want to go and pay another 500 quid if I've just borrowed 500 quid from the bank to do so. Yeah, exactly. So um, insurance um, is something that's done annually. So insurance actually is impacted by inflation. So obviously, if the costs of getting a new bike go up, then the, the cost of insurance is going to go up. Um, it's really important that when you're taking out insurance that you see what you paid for last year and you look at what you're paying for this year. There's now regulations in the UK, which means that insurers like Aviva, all insurers in the UK, need to make sure that the prices that they're offering their customers are the same as the prices that we're offering to new customers. So that's really important. And it's important also to kind of have a shop around a bit to make sure you're getting the right, the right price because insurance is a competitive market and you might be able to get a better price elsewhere. I hope you'll get it from Aviva. Aviva's a great insurer, but it may be that, you know, you have to kind of shop around a little bit. So those are the kind of things that you can, that you can do. Um, uh, it impacts in different ways. So for people who are a bit older um, and they're thinking about saving um, for their retirement, 
um, these, the rates that you can get on certain retirement products are also going up. So it's difficult for some people in our society and for other people at different stages in their life, it can actually be, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a, bit of a, um, a bit of a light in this story because people can earn a little bit more as they're thinking about retirement. And what's the retirement age at the moment in the UK? Well, it varies. Um, so at different, different levels, um, you can actually kind of stay on now and, and carry on working for, for a long time. And at Aviva, for example, we've got a really big push at Aviva to you know, encourage people who are over 50, over 55 to carry on working. Some of the some, you know, people who've worked all their life and have got a great experience, we don't want them to just drop out of the workforce. We want them to carry on working in organizations so that they can share their knowledge and share their experience with the interns and the graduates that I mentioned at the start of the show. So, you know, it's really important that we have that mix, you know, in any organization of young people and, 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 and older people. What, and what do you think, just sitting here, there'll be a lot of young people thinking, okay, I now understand inflation because Andrew's just gave it so clear to us. What role can the young person play in terms of supporting getting that 8% down to 2%? What role can they play individually? We talk about climate change where you can do things in your home to help the climate change and to get to net zero. But what can young people do to help the inflation get down? Can they do anything? What would that well, be? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm what could I do it's today? A, it's difficult. I mean... This is obviously something that the government is really tackling with. And you see it in conversations around what we call pay restraint. So how do we encourage big organisations like Aviva, but also public sector organisations, so the NHS, um, to um, pay a reasonable salary, but not to pay above the rate of inflation? And that's why we're having the protests and the strikes that we're seeing from doctors and um, you know teachers people who are working in the public sector because there's this challenge between wanting to pay people more because inflation is going up but not paying them a level which is going to going to contribute to the inflationary problem and so having a little bit of a balance there is really important so it's it you know, the primary responsibility of this is on employers and the government to sort it out We've got to, as individuals, as young, young people, we've just got to kind of try and carry on living life, look after your pennies as we all do, try and budget carefully every, every month because things are getting more expensive. Shop around and just have that eye on your budget because it's really tough at the moment to make ends meet. And that's, I think that's all that we can do right now. So really focus on educating yourself in your financial well-being and what your money powers are and what does that mean to you because... It starts at home, right? Exactly. Look, shop, shop around. Think about what are the main things that I spend my money on every month? Do I need to be spending that? Can I stop right now? If I have got to spend the money on that, make sure that it's going as far as it possibly can. Can I shop around a little bit? Make sure that you're well informed. Look at, there's lots of great websites out there which will help you and guide you. Money Saving Expert is a great one, for example, that will help guide you to kind of get the best deals. And I think that's really important in the kind of current environment. And how many inflations have we, how many inflation episodes have we been through since you've been 14 years out of, out of favor? Yeah, we've been through a couple. So we had a major one in 2008 uh, with the global financial crisis, as it, as it, as it was known. Uh, that led to a peak in uh, inflation and interest rates. 
this is another another big one now. So they don't happen often. You know, the actual the good news is that the UK economy is actually doing really well. So businesses are doing well. You know, they're selling, they're making profits, they're hiring, they're investing, they're growing. That's really good news. You know, it's you know the 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 labour market, the employment market, the prospects of getting a job are actually really good. Um, the challenge is it, it's 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 so. It's, you know, it's better than we thought, and that adds to inflation as well. So it's, it's just getting this not too hot, not too cold, is how you want the economy uh, to, to, what, to kind of run. And what is the average inflation period? How long will it actually take? And I know this is a crystal ball moment. Well, in, on, from your experience, from, uh, from 8% down to 2%, how long will young people be? Well, economists who are much more informed about these things than I am expect rates to kind of come down over the next couple of years, but it might take a couple of years for this to kind of start coming down towards, towards 2%. Um, one of the challenges, of course, is that the political cycle, we elect a new government every five years, doesn't necessarily coincide with the economic cycle. And that's one of the challenges that Rishi Sunak and Jeremy Hunt have got at the moment, because we have a general election by the latest next year. And one of the things that they are understandably focused on is getting inflation down before people get the chance to have a vote. Let's talk a little bit about politics and how, it's in fact, how it impacts and supports you in your role. What does, how does it support your role and how much involvement does your job have with kinder politics and government? Yeah, it's huge. Um, and I talked before about, you know, my, my duvet flip is the news, right? You know, every morning I get up and there's a new story appearing. There's lots of new stories appearing and a lot of them impact Aviva. And so I'm thinking about that, trying to understand it, trying to understand what it means for Aviva and our customers and what we might say about it. And actually, our conversation today is very timely because just last night, the Chancellor of the Exchequer delivered a major speech on pensions and how the money that we invest, when we, when we um, get a job now... Um, we are automatically enrolled into a pension scheme. And so we start saving. A little bit of money comes out of uh, our wages mm. into a pension and the organisation that you're working for, they contribute a little bit as well. And over 30 or 40 years, that will grow, that money will grow in your pension pot and that will help for t- fund your retirement when you give up work. So that's how it works. So those pension pots that we have in this country are really important for your future, but they're also really important for the country because Aviva takes that money and we think about how do we invest it and where do we invest it and what do we invest it in and so the government and Aviva and other insurers are having a conversation at the moment about how do we encourage people to invest what do we invest in how can that help people when they retire and how can that investment really make a difference to the economy so that you know it's helping to invest in new hospitals that we need and new schools that we need, and new transport that we need, all of those things that make our society what it is, underneath that, there's actually an organisation like Aviva that's making those investments. And where do they make those investments from? Well, they actually make those investments from you because you're investing in your pension every month and we're collecting that and making sure that it works for you in retirement and we can invest it in the economy. And what you just said, we had the Lord Mayor on recently. And he was saying exactly the same. You, you, you get up every morning and you read the media. And 
young people sometimes, not all young people, because young people are very aware and smart and they can now see, I, I, they can see a difference between an influencer and a creator when it comes to social media, who's trying to sell them a toothbrush and who's actually meaningfully using that toothbrush. How do you see through this term of fake news and how can young people be more aware on what to believe? Because there's so many, we see, I think it was this week or last week, Martin Lewis, someone make, made out to have mm. a, it was a, a scheme that actually wasn't him, but it looked like him and he's wearing the same shirt. How, how do you make the decision whether something's worthy news, real news? Yeah. And what's your advice to young people just to be a little bit more aware with yeah. so, much, so many of these schemes and fakeness going around? Well, it's really confusing, I think. So first of all, I understand, you know, there has been a huge explosion in uh, organisations of people who are purporting to kind of like offer you news. And some of it is real and some of it's not. And I think that over the last 10 years or so, there's been a, a kind of a flight to quality. So trusted brands, trusted media organisations, um, they are the ones that have seen their readership increase. They've seen the clicks increase. They see more people go to them. And then there's been a long tail. Now, that long tail can still attract people, and it's very easy to be influenced by kind of um, uh, sources of news that aren't credible or aren't real. But those really big, trusted media organisations that have been around for years, providing independent um, editorial insight on what's going on in the world, they are the ones who I think have thrived... Uh, by and large, and they thrive because they've got this reputation for being honest and for being impartial, and that's where people go, and that's where I'd encourage, that's where I encourage young people to kind of, you know, go to kind of understand what's going on in the world and du and double check if they do see something on a smaller and medium platform, just to double check to see if it's real. Exactly. And do you, do you get any of your media from Twitter? Any of your news? I do, I do. So I think that. Um, Twitter has been revolutionary in my, in my world because often uh, journalists who are writing for a, one of those trusted media organisations are often breaking news on their own Twitter feed. Uh, they're giving insights on their news agenda and what's coming up. So in my world, it's a, it's a wonderful source of breaking news, intelligence, what's going on. It's almost like a little sneaky preview mm. into what you might see in the newspapers tomorrow or later on online. So Twitter is absolutely fundamental to, to kind of, you know, being successful in engaging with the media, talking to the media, understanding what the media's agenda is, and then contributing to it. So uh, anytime soon, are you going to cheat on Twitter with Freds? <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, what's going on there and Elon Musk's uh, re re response. So it will be great. I mean, I think that that goes to the point you were making before about people being increasingly sceptical about some of the claims that you can see on various different um, social media platforms. And I think that social media organisations have got a duty to patrol that, police it, look at it, they're increasingly doing that uh, to maintain the integrity and the trust because that trust factor is really important and it can take a long time to get that trust 
but it can you can lose it kind of extremely quickly. Absolutely. And we've only got time for three more questions. What is your what's your life tips that you in your career, in your life, it might be someone that you've known for a long time, someone you just met, that you've really it's these three things that have really stuck with you that have that have made up the principle of your career that you you bide by and you you think that young people should follow or try them out in terms yeah. of life lessons? Um, well, we've talked about a few of them. I think how, how you conduct yourself and the relationships that you have are just as important as what you achieve. So think about how you kind of like, how you build relationships, how you are, how kind you are. That's really important. Always ask questions. Be curious. You know, the way in which we understand more, we're better at our jobs, we're better at what we do, is not by always talking and sharing our own opinions but actually asking questions everyone's got a great story to tell it's all about the right question i spend a lot of my time preparing leaders at aviva for the questions that i might get from from journalists and might be sometimes the question that you hadn't thought of the art of the great question can give a revealing response you're brilliant at that jack you're great at asking great questions that's why this show is so successful because you're great at asking questions so Always ask great questions. Be kind to people that you meet. Those are two really important things that I've always tried to kind of follow in, follow in my life. So talking about great questions, I'm going to end on this one and then a final one. What's your invisible success? What do you believe has been your invisible success in your career so far? Um... I think it's probably been a couple of things, if I, can say, if I can say two. I think it's the love of the people who are closest to me. And I'm a Christian, and so my faith, I think, those are the two things. And my final, final question, and yet again, this is we, we've gone over time as well, 22 minutes this time, it goes quick, is what's your duvet flip? What gets you out of bed? This, what's been getting you out of bed this week? I know you talked about media gets you out of bed and reading the news. But what's got you out of bed this week? Well, if I wasn't doing my job, every morning I'd get up and I want to know what's going on in the world. You know, and if you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. And that's something that I've always kind of kept on. So actually, I get up in the morning and I bounce out. I really do, because I want to know what's going on in the world. I want to know what's going on in the news. What are the top headlines? And how are we going to go you know, about responding to that? So that new, everything, every day something's different. And that really excites me. Wow. And where can young people go to find out more about insurance, careers and everything of Fever? Uh, well, they can go to aviva.com. They can email me at andrew.reed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Are you sure you know, about that? Yeah, and, we can, and we can help. <laughs> cool. Go to the website because uh, if you, I'll just warn you, you don't, you don't want 20,000 emails <laughs> coming in. But with all my heart and the team said it behind the scenes, you are so kind honest and thanks for giving time and energy today andrew with all my art thank you been a pleasure thanks jack and we'll see you next time finances can sometimes feel a bit puzzling Maybe it's that confusing car insurance policy. Or working out the right protection for your health, home and family. Or feeling unsure if your pension is on the right path. Aviva can help make these conundrums click.
solve your financial puzzles? It takes Aviva. Is what you're doing still doing it for you? I am EY. For a purpose that inspires me. And a culture that accepts. For a team that relies on me and makes me better for it. Knowing I'm always respected for being absolutely me. For my work to have meaning. Ideas becoming actions and my direction my own. For leaders that challenge, guide and support. Empowering me to be all I can and bring everything I am. My skills accelerated. My voice amplified. For always feeling heard and saying without hesitation. I love what I do. That's why. EY. Mom, I got the job! You got the job! Who got the job? She got the job. She got the job. She got the job. Yes. Find your I got the job job on Total Jobs. Yeah.